Hey, everyone. Welcome to Meet Sports Alcohol for Monday, February 1st. We have a really awesome show for you today. Uh, we're first uh, going to be talking about our new challenge for the month of February. Uh, so that's really exciting. Uh, then we're going to be talking some locks, Super Bowl edition, Super Prop edition. It's mostly just talking props. So you're definitely going to want to stick around for that. Listen to us. You might be able to make a little bit of cash. I doubt that. <laughs> I doubt that you will. I didn't have much confidence in the bets that we made, and there were plenty of bets that we're making. So <laughs> at least some of them can maybe hit. Uh, but between those two segments, we have an interview with award-winning author and runner, Adarnan Finn. Uh, we talk about what drives people to run, especially long distances like ultra marathons. Uh, he's an incredibly interesting person, a great author, uh, and we had a really great conversation with him. So stick around for that. And take it away, Chad. And now introducing the faux Rogan experience presented by Quoka Brew. So here's a challenge we're going to be doing for the month of February. We're calling it the faux Rogan experience. Uh, if you haven't heard of it, there's this other podcast, not as big as ours. It's actually kind of lame called the Joe Rogan experience. And they do this challenge every year, a sober October, where they do this fitness competition using a fitness band called Whoop. Uh, and since we're aspiring podcasters, we use that as inspiration. And we, myself, co-host Dylan and friend Darren, are going to be measuring who can sleep the most in the month of February instead of seeing who can work out the most. <laughs> so you're going to have to tune in every Monday to hear how we're doing. Follow us on social media at Sports Elk. Uh, and it's probably going to be pretty hilarious, I'd say. Yeah. So, I mean, you might be wondering why we decided we wanted to do this. Uh, it, let's be honest. It's been a rough 12 months. This pandemic's been, you know, tough on everyone. And we kind of thought that we needed a little bit of rest, a little bit of rejuvenation, uh, you know, a little bit of self-care. And what better way to do that than sleep? You know, it's the reset, the natural reset button. Uh, so that's why uh, we decided to partner with Quoka Brew. Quoka Brew is the world's first caffeinated jitterless coffee. And I know for one thing, I don't know about you guys, but when I get a full night's rest, the last thing I want to do is wake up and have a cup of coffee and start getting jittery and anxious. And you just, all your rest, all your rejuvenation, it's gone. So that's why we partnered with them. Uh, they have a Quoka has this amino acid blend. Uh, it's unique to them. It's one of a kind. And that's going to give you all the boost of normal coffee, but without any of the jitters. We're all very excited about this, as you can tell. And we want you guys to also get in on the Quoka jitterless experience. So that's why during the month of February, you can use the promo code MEAT at checkout and you'll get free shipping on any of your orders. That's once again, that's meat, M-E-A-T, at checkout for free shipping. And this isn't a joke. You could actually go do that. This is 100% <laughs> true. They agree to, to this. Go to Quoka.com, yes, and use the promo code meat. <laughs> All right. The faux Rogan experience presented by Quoka Brew. A moose is like twice the size of an elk. Red meat five days per week. I mean, I'm sure vegetables are not bad for you. Meat, chicken, fish, vegetables, there's nothing wrong with that. Shamus, I ate it. 
and then I have a cast iron frying pan, it's hot as a motherfucker, and I use either beef tallow or grass-fed butter, and I sear the shit out of that meat. If you're eating food that, like, you know, grass-fed beef, people are just eating meat. And most of them will quit. They're gonna quit veganism and they're gonna start eating meat. Uh, how about a ball of meat that gives you butter? Okay, so that was the intro song that we're going to be using. I think in this first episode, what we really want to do is just like nail down some of the details about this because we really haven't yet uh, about kind of what the parameters are, what the punishment might be. We need a sick punishment. Maybe our different strategies, things like that. Uh, so what do you guys want to start with? Um, punishments? I think we got to go punishments first. Okay. Yeah. I'm yeah. down. So Let's our- <laughs> our first idea was so it should be sleep related right it should be that yeah. you, if you lose this competition then you can't sleep for like a night you have to pull an all-nighter so, or something like that yeah yeah so what do you have to do so what do you have to do during that all-nighter i think my personal vote is that you have to watch the entire season first season of space force on netflix <laughs> straight through See, so, uh, <laughs> i also really like that idea yeah. I proposed that idea and I think it's hilarious. And I think that if we do that, you should also have to Instagram live yourself watching Space Force for the entirety. And you have to start it at like midnight of your time. So since I'm East Coast, like you guys can tune in. (laughs) Watch me watch. Like nine. Yep. I think, I mean, is there any other ideas? Well, I I didn't know we wanted to do, I didn't know we wanted to do like a sleep related punishment. But the one that I came mm. up with, and we don't have to do this, but we all know that like the body no, weight workouts, the body weight workouts are the worst, right? So I was thinking if you <laughs> if you lose, you have to make a 30-minute like body weight video on YouTube. But the the catch is it has to be like you have to be deadpan the whole time. Like you have to be super motivational, but you can't laugh or smile. You just have to be like straight faced. Okay. The full 30 minutes of the thing. I like that too. 30 minute workout. So we're 30 minute homework. And then you said I post like it on that YouTube too. So I think, yeah, post it on YouTube. And we can, this will be a perfect opportunity to make a meat sports alcohol YouTube page. Yeah, exactly. I think, yeah. Um, I think what we should do is let the fans decide. We have two great options. I have another and we great option. We don't have to decide. Yet. Okay. Yeah, let's hear it. Okay. So while we're leaning into the Joe Faux Rogan thing, what if the loser had to go on on it you know like his fitness thing that he has it's like a health and fitness website and take one of the nootropic things that he offers like alpha brain like the ones that give you fucked up dreams for like 60 days or something or 90 days report back see what it did is that like is that like a testosterone boost because i think Uh, we should do that too i bet they have testosterone (laughs) booster on there yeah, you have to take testosterone boost for a month. I mean, we could combine all of these into one, just evil punishment, or we could let the people decide. <laughs> I feel like you we have to should take testosterone boost for a month. At the end of it, you have to make a body weight fitness video and then Instagram live yourself watching the entirety of Space Force of the Night. <laughs> I think if testosterone booster is on this poll, that one's going to get voted that we're going to have to do. Because it's just a funny name. I mean, it's just funny. It's just a funny word. <laughs> <that you have laughs> to to 
<laughs> a bunch I don't of know. Twenty-two if, year I, old guys taking <laughs> testosterone. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it actually does anything or if it would just give us all back knee. Like, I don't know if it would like, like I don't know if we would notice anything or if it would just be terrible for us. What if well, we'll find back? out. Yeah, true. <laughs> uh, so, how should we decide? I think we should do a poll. Yeah, yeah do a poll. Okay, cool. Okay, right, so are we doing those three options, or do we want to narrow it down to two? We might have to refine it after because I don't know if I actually want to put testosterone booster on there. But there will be a poll up. Go follow us on Instagram. Do we do? Are doing? Are doing it on Instagram? Yeah, let's do it on Instagram. We're on Facebook now, so go like us there. If you... I know it's like yeah. it's 2009. We're on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, we have a MySpace set up. We're, we're yeah. on Vine <laughs> as an um, Amazon Messenger. Cool. So uh, we got uh, we got our punishment. I think that's a good starting point. Um, I have one now. Can you yeah, can you use supplements? Can you just pop like fifteen melatonin? And I, that's actually yeah. a really good question. Because I think you shouldn't be PEDs. Well, <sighs> wait. Can I? I've had. I've been actually testing in this like trial phase before we got into the month. And I've been popping melatonin since last week. And so are we not going by the, we're not going by the percentage of like the quality of sleep, only the sheer hours, or are we doing the quality? I think we're going sheer hours, right? I Does think it... we go sheer hours. Okay, yeah. If we're yeah. doing hours, then I would say no melatonin. Cause that's a totally just <laughs> yeah, dude, If you yeah, can yeah, use supplements, out. then this is just who can get the worst drug addiction by the end of the month. So be on Zans. I'd say at the very last weekend, just Friday night, 6 PM, take a bunch of melatonin, <laughs> take melatonin until Monday morning. <laughs> <laughs> No podcast is out. We just skipped it that no. day. We just passed out. <laughs> like, are these guys okay? So, okay. Another question I wanted to ask is, how serious are we taking this? Are we going all out? Because are you going to like sacrifice plans to sleep for this challenge? I think it depends on how much you want to watch Space Force all night long and <laughs> take testosterone boost for a month. I mean, it's like, you know, someone has to lose. I'm not, that's I'm a not good gonna, point that's a good I'm point gonna, i'm not gonna reveal my hand here but i yeah. i think we're, i think we'll take it pretty seriously especially when one person starts putting up crazy numbers yeah and exactly. like the next will start doing it and then it's just gonna go you know what's hilarious about this too is it's like we're saying like put in effort like try really hard <laughs> Trying really hard is resting your head on a pillow and trying to think about nothing. <laughs> you don't get this bread, bro. You go cozy up in the corner. <laughs> so what is your guys' strategy to, in terms of, okay, I know you don't want to reveal your hand or whatever, but are you guys thinking sleep earlier and wake up at the same time or sleep at the same time and wake up later? So I've been, I've been thinking about this a lot. Uh, I'm thinking big time sleep bank. So the weekends, I'm going to catch up. I'm going to try to sleep like 12 hours on the weekends because the weekdays like with work and stuff, it's going to be impossible. But I think I'm going to try to get in a habit of going to bed at like nine o'clock. Have you seen, so we, a little (laughs) behind the scenes here, we have a like group together on whoop currently where we can see each other's strain recovery and sleep. Um, 
Dylan, have you seen how you rank against Darren and I in sleep for the last like month? I, I don't, I can't sleep, dude. I have, I have a job that I have to work until 11 at, and then I wake up in the morning. I, I can't sleep. I'm going to lose this for sure. Yeah. My That's job doesn't doing. start till noon. Yeah. No, I, uh, sorry. <laughs> No, that's why my strategy is big time sleep on the weekends, uh, naps, and you can count nap as an activity in whoop. So I'm just going to say I'm doing a nap and then take like a three hour nap on Saturday, Sundays, big time, especially without football. My Sundays have just opened up. Yeah. Did you watch, uh, did you watch today? Farmers insurance open? No, I was, I was skiing. Uh, it sucked. Dude, Patrick Reed. Yeah, Patrick Reed is a cheating, lying asshole, and he ran away with it. Also, it's brutal that they have golf in beautiful, sunny San Diego right now. It was just raining a ton here in Georgia, and it's just cold. It's just insanely cold. And just watching these guys play on the beach in, like, beautiful conditions, I'm just like, I just want to go out and play so bad. I just want to get out there, Mm -hmm. but I can't. (sighs) You can. You're in Atlanta. Because it rains, you can golf. It's pretty cold rain. here, man. It's like dude, 40. It's, it's 10 degrees here and it's snow everywhere. You can golf there. I'm sorry it's colder where you are. <laughs> I also can't golf here. <laughs> um, all right. What else do we got? So uh, any other strategy talk? What, else, what other strategy? I mean, I'm just thinking of like totally abusing the naps. Like I have to wake up at 530 and then I get off mm-hmm. at 1.30 and then I'm just going to come home and then I'm going to take like maybe two to three naps every day, like quick 45 minute naps because whoop. What? <laughs> I don't know if we want to like not allow this, but when you track your sleep, it doesn't like exactly track the amount of time that you're sleeping like completely. Like it's basically just like when no, you're laying full- down. No, no, it's full sleep. Yeah, I think That's it's what pretty the number good. Is. I think you it's shouldn't good. be allowed to insert the activity. I don't think you should be able to say in whoop like nap, sleep, like because. But it I feel can. Like, but it can. That was my whole strategy. Just like put it. It can tell, but it can tell when you didn't actually nap. I think, oh. like it can tell when you're not actually asleep. Yeah, you'll say start activity, and then you'll say I'm starting a nap, but then it'll tell it's like with your nap. heart rate. <laughs> I didn't know it was that smart. So I, yeah, it's it's it tracks your heart rate. It's mad smart. Yeah, heart rate variability. And uh, dude, it's the whoop, dude. It's it's personal fitness tracking technology, dude. It can tell when you're asleep. My heart rate is awful. I've been looking at it. I'm at like insanely low. Like I look at it sometimes, and I'm like, am I dead? My heart rate yeah, is good, like sixty. You guys, yesterday. You want to, you want one, you want a low one. Yeah. I still want to be alive. I want to be at zero. I want to go negative. <laughs> yeah. I don't think that could happen. <laughs> oh, so it sounds like we're all set. Thanks to Quoka yeah. for uh, yes. sponsoring this. I can't wait. Yes. We're, we're wait- I'm I, waiting for mine in the mail right now. Yeah. We're getting our Quoka here pretty soon. Uh, I am unbelievably excited to smash some Quoka uh, after getting my full, 10 hours every night it's actually perfect because like i yeah. do need coffee like i really want and need coffee and if i'm just sleeping so much there's no point in having like a huge cup of coffee it's also yeah i don't need like the jitters and everything don't need the jitters dude yeah. and plus i wake up 
I wake up in the morning uh, before going to the gym and I'll have like a cup of coffee, but I'm like an empty stomach and you just kind of get, you know, yeah. jittery. It's not, you know, I'm very excited for that unique amino acid blend. I'm thrilled. Yeah. I'm thrilled the promo code is meat. I remember those days I had no rice. I remember those days I had no sticks. We now welcome on Adaranand Finn. He is author of Running with the Kenyans, The Way of the Runner, and most recently, The Rise of the Ultra Runners. His website is thewayoftherunner.com. So he also hosts the podcast, The Way of the Runner, where he interviews runners to try to uncover what drives them. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Oh, it's nice to be here. Yeah, so um, I thought uh, just, um, you know, you're a runner yourself. Uh, obviously, all of your work is about running. Um, just to start off with, like, what were... What drew you in originally um, to the sport and the culture and everything about it? Well, I actually started running, I, I was probably about 11 and I went to a new school and they sent everybody out on a cross country run. And in my old school, we hadn't done any running. So I was a bit, didn't really know what to expect. And I, and I won the race. I was like, well, this <laughs> is good. And then I didn't really, I was really obsessed by soccer at the time. So I didn't really pursue it. But then every time there was a cross country race, I'd win at school. And eventually I decided to check out the local running club. And I, yeah, you just, when you're good at something, it just, it kind of, there's something nice about that. And so then I developed that. Uh, so that's where it began. And then there was a whole kind of adult life. I kind of gave up when I was about 18 and then kind of rediscovered it when I was about 35. Uh, just, it, I guess it always been in the, you know, it always been something I felt like I did. And then it was just, I guess, I was getting older, I was getting a bit overweight. I don't know, I just felt like uh, I had that, that talent when I was younger, I should, I should do something with it. So I went back to it. When you took that break from when you were, I think you said 18 to 35, was that just an entire break from running all together, like even just casually or every now and then for exercise? Yeah, no, I always, I always did the odd run here. I mean, I, I probably ran once or twice a week through all that time I mean nothing major like you know 5k here and there whatever but I yeah I always had a pair of running shoes somewhere and you know I would always just find myself going out and, and every now and then I would rejoin a running club and I would probably last six months I'd get into training a little bit uh but then I would I just didn't know anyone else who was into running I had no friends who were into running so I just I kept drifting away and then I actually went to watch the London Marathon and there were all these guys going by and they were struggling and you know they and they were older than me and they were kind of didn't look like they really could run but they looked like they were having quite a, an amazing experience and I just it's, it all came flooding back to me oh I should be out there I should be I shouldn't be standing here watching <laughs> should be running so that, yeah. that's where it began I guess it's funny that you say that because I I mean I'm not a huge one I've done I've done a couple like half marathons on my own uh and part of it was, was actually inspired by my co-host here dylan and another one of my friends who did a full marathon and i was just been thinking about recently like the role that community plays in these things because i find myself like doing things like i'll watch basketball games that i'm not really into at all just so i could like talk about the basketball game with my friends or like sound like i know what i'm talking about for you, when you think about running and in your personal experience, how much does like having friends who run or having running be like part of a culture? Um, how big of a role does that play in, in people's like decision on whether or not to run? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think, it's, well, for me now, I, I, I have people I run with, like friends locally, and I enjoy that. And, and we, we, you know, it's almost, 
I always used to run like like I was training to run fast times, but now I run a lot of the time just just to be out being you know easy running, and so we chat. So it's almost like having going meeting someone for a drink. So yeah, I definitely I find there are, I like to mix it up. I like to sometimes be on my own and just kind of let my thoughts drift and have ideas and just immerse myself. But then other times it's great to have people who, who are runners and yeah, I'm kind of immersed in it now. Now I write books about it. I'm kind of constantly talking to runners people are constantly asking me about running I know you know I watch I watch like the Olympics or the London Marathon or the New York Marathon and it's like friends of mine who are winning it you know it's like yeah I, so I now feel it, I'm kind of so in it that I, it's hard to imagine not being in it but I like in Kenya for example you know there's definitely that idea that you, you've got to get up to train at half five in the morning it's kind of a hard thing to do but when you know there's like 20 guys waiting on the street corner for you it's an easier thing to do. You know, you just get up, you're a bit sleepy, but they're all doing it as well. And then you just kind of shuffle off into the, with the pace and you just get picked up by it all. And yeah, definitely. It's definitely a hard thing to do completely by yourself. And you kind of need, if you've got a family as well, you need a bit of, you know, it takes time. And, and particularly if you're running long distance, you know, there's a bit of understanding needs to be there between the, uh, between your wife and your kids and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. As a, as a writing subject, um, what, uh, what was the first thing that um, made you think that this was something that you wanted to write about, like bring it beyond just a hobby or a competitive outlet? Yeah, that's a good question, actually. I, uh, I kind of stumbled into the Kenyans thing a little bit by accident. I was already a journalist and uh, I actually just heard about this house in, in kind of on the edge of London where there were some of the elite Kenyans were living. Uh, and what they would do, they would come over for the for the season, for the track season, and they would spend the whole summer living in this really small, like normal house, and just this idea, like kind of suburban house. And I just love this idea. There was this regular suburban street, and on one of these houses was like the world record holder at the 10K, <laughs> like the women's Olympic gold medalist, just like in this regular house. I I kind of pitched yeah. it to a magazine article, a uh, magazine editor as an article. I said. These Kenyans living in, I mean, these guys are like on another level of superhuman talent and they're just on this regular street. And so I did, so, I just basically spent the day with them and, uh, you know, we, we, you know, I just knocked on the door and they took me in. We had breakfast and we went for a run. I just told the whole story and I don't know, something really, there was something really amazing about them, about the way they were these kind of, I don't know, like these bits, nuggets of gold in, in this kind of, kind of nondescript area. There's, I don't know, I just, that story really grabbed me and then and then it did really well and then I don't know I just I'd always had this other idea about I kind of my first book idea was called why we run uh, and, and it was this idea about I had this thought like what do we do it for you know we get up in the morning we go out and we run in this usually in a circle come back to where we started so we haven't gone anywhere we, we don't need to do it like nobody's watching us nobody's cheering us on yet there's something compelling us to get out there. I mean, for some people, it's just fitness, okay? But for me, it never was. I, I felt like I, had, I was fairly healthy and fit anyway, but I was doing it for the running itself, and I wanted to answer that question. And so I kind of always felt there was something more deep going on with running. Like I, I had this, I met these actually marathon monks in Japan, and they do these runs around this mountain. They do a thousand marathons in a thousand days. And I remember thinking, wow. you wouldn't really get golf monks you know, you wouldn't get like basketball monks. There's something about running yeah. and monks that seems to go together. You know, there's something kind of spiritual about it in a, in a way. 
And so I wanted to delve into that. And, and so that combined with this spark with the Kenyans and the fact that I'd always been a bit intrigued by the Kenyans, it all came together with this book. And so I took the plunge and I went out there. That's, that's kind of how it happened, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's fascinating. To stick with Kenya for a little bit, um, I heard you talk about, I think, do you say Kip Kano is his name, who uh, won the 1500 in 1968 and kind of like started this long line of Kenyans who became like long distance runners. And it started this whole movement, I guess, that they could um, succeed in these races. What is it? Does it often take something like a specific figure like that, maybe a specific person? Um, or like a wider cultural movement or what in your mind breeds like a culture of running um, either like at a competitive level like that for the Olympics or just generally like, you know, for jogging to become popular in a specific area. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's often an alignment of factors, but I think particularly at an elite level to get someone successful like that. I mean, Ethiopia had the same thing with a baby Bikila who won 64 Rome Olympics barefoot uh, and then yeah and then Kipkena was the next Olympics and Bikila again won the Olymp marathon and so they, they kind of both sparked at the same time but that I guess as well in East Africa they didn't have many other successes on the world stage to look at and so it, it played a big part but I've seen it over the years there was a point when Saeed Awita was running for the Moroccans he was breaking world records and then for the next 10, 15, 20 years, you had all these top Moroccans coming through doing amazing things. And then it gradually petered out for some reason. I'm not, not quite sure why. And you're kind of getting it right now with the Ugandans. There's some great Ugandan runners coming through. And there's this guy, Joshua Chepter guy, has just broken a couple of world records this year. And you can see already that is sparking a kind of movement there. So, yeah, I think that's a, that's a key, that's one key element. But then with, with East Africa, you've got, well, like, like I say, there weren't many other options. So like I know for a fact, and I'm sure it's the same in the US, in, in the UK, many talented athletes at 16, 17 years of age are also good at other sports or they, you know, they're good at school or, you know, I mean, for some of them, maybe that's it. They're just good at running. But a lot of them have got other options. So they maybe don't pursue the running or just life in general is a bit more complicated. Maybe you've got to go and get a job or, you know. When Kenya and Ethiopia, there's this kind of all encompassing fixation with running that if you've got a talent for running everything funnel you know the, the whole system is supporting you to get into running mm -hmm. uh, and that's the kind of self-building thing it, it kind of you know the more the more success they have the more that support is there the more hope there is the more kind of it just kind of snowballs and snowballs and snowballs and uh it, you get to the point now where like any any kid from almost any village in that whole rift valley area of kenya knows personally someone from their village who's been abroad has won a big marathon has come back got a big car big house and they're like you know and and, then, and they're so welcome as well you can just go up to this guy and say oh you know i want to run with you and he'll go oh, cool. let's go tomorrow morning we'll go you know it's just like they're, they're really approachable so they, they really help each other and so yeah so you need that kind of spark at the beginning but then it needs to gather momentum and maybe in somewhere like morocco that kind of the, it didn't quite get to the the tipping point where like it has in Kenya and Ethiopia, where it's just, it's just keeps, you know, it's just more and more runners coming through. I mean, the numbers of runners out there are insane. You know, there's totally thousands of them, thousands of training, working hard. You see wow. these groups going by, like 
200 guys going by all up, you know, pace. It's like, whoa. Yeah, and then another one, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> How was it when you were in Kenya? How was it keeping up with them? You said you went on a run with them. Was it? Yeah, was it so I spent six months there. And I, I mean, I kind of think now looking back, you know, if I, I, I don't know, I must have been quite naive because I don't think. <laughs> If I'd thought about it, I'd have gone out there because I just didn't make sense. And the book's called Running with the Kenyans. So the idea was that I would go and train with them. And now I just think, who was I kidding? I think in my head, I thought it was a really good runner because I hadn't done any races. I actually won, won, won a race just before I went out there. I didn't realize, I had no idea about time. So I thought I was brilliant. But it turns out that I think all the good runners in the, in the town didn't turn up that day. Well, you also <laughs> won when you were 11, you said, right? So you yeah, so exactly. So I guess I, I had this idea that I was like a serious runner uh, <laughs> with no idea, like just how different, even if you are a serious runner, you know, from the West and you go to Kenya, you haven't got a hope. But for me, it was kind of ridiculous. But then what I realized is that they do all their easy runs really slowly uh, and they just... And then the medium runs, they kind of start off slowly and they build it up, which is quite fun because then you get to so the easy runs are so slow. Even I was finding them easy. And then the medium runs were quite nice because you start off feeling easy and you get to about two or three miles in and it's just starting to pick up. And then they probably hit that. So they're doing about 10, 12 miles. But about four miles in, I'm kind of now running quite hard, but I'm still in the group. And that was just such a great feeling because in my imagination, everyone was running hard and I'm just yeah. there in the midst of it, you know, 30 people around me. And, and it, they would take it really seriously as well. So there's no talking. It's just this silent pounding of feet and you're just kind of being swept up by it. And then about six miles, I get, I get dropped out of the back and then, but that was still amazing. Yeah. 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 Um, so you, you mentioned before the, you know, this question of why we run and you kind of pointed to this, like this more sort of spiritual or philosophical answer that you were searching for with the monks. Um, and kind of following up on that question is like, what is it that's different about running, for example, than other endurance sports than swimming or, you know, just doing jumping jacks. I don't know that like, what is it specifically about I, to you, the motion of running uh, or running as an exercise that separates it from those other endurance exercises? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean uh, a little bit from some of the theories in born to run, which I, you know, I think is, is a great book, but also a book, you know, not without its flaws. I, I don't know if you know that, but it's kind of the, the main, running book that everyone refers to it's called born to run but it it basically at the heart of it is this theory that humans are really great long distance runners in the animal kingdom it's like one of the apart from maybe a few perhaps wolves are better than us over long distance but even on a hot day we can beat horses over once you get to 30 miles plus we're, we're just really efficient at like moving and and it kind of suggests that we evolved as persistent hunters because we were such good runners and so I just think there's there's a kind of something natural to humans in running, something we're designed to do. And we're kind of fulfilling that those natural urges in some ways. I mean, funnily, there, there are probably other, you know, I think climbing is another one. I think people, we're naturally good at climbing, we're in, but not, not, not on a kind of animal kingdom level. Even at sprint, you know, sprinting, we're hopeless. There's not many things we kind of top the, the physical charts uh, of the animal kingdom in, but running is one of them long distance running and so I think you're kind of fulfilling some kind of primal expectation you know you're kind of born with these innate uh, expectations of what you're going to find in the world and we're still kind of 
primitive in our you know as babies when we're born that moment we're born we're, we're still quite you know we could be we could be living a thousand years ago and our bodies wouldn't know any different so we have these expectations i think one of them is to move around a lot and and kind of move and run so when you do it you kind of get this sense of something inside you that generally hasn't been fulfilled when you're sitting around when you're driving around in your car you spend a very lazy day it can be it can be very nice to do that and it can be fun and you're eating cake and you're you know drinking coffee but at the end of the day you feel a little bit like uh you know i, I feel like i need to move or do something whereas if you've been for a long run you come home you get that kind of physical satisfaction. It's not necessarily, you know, it's not necessarily a spiritual satisfaction, but it's in your body. You can feel it. You, you know, you've done something you were supposed to do, you were designed to do. So, and I think on top of that, then the actual experience, once you get quite good at running, because we would have been good runners as well. So when you're really unfit, running is a struggle. And it's like, you know, when you're out of shape, it's like, oh, you know, I, I, I hate this. My heart's pounding, my, my, everything's aching, everything's creaking. But if you start training, you get to a level and I often think what well, the Kenyans must feel like, because I obviously have got, never got anywhere near their <laughs> level. But even when I'm feeling good, running just is a joy. I'm just like, oh, I feel, you know, I feel this move. I feel like I can go faster. I can really hammer it up this hill. And those guys must feel just to be able to hit, you know, the pace they're running, the smoothness of their, you know, their physique and their form just must feel great, I think. You know, so, so yeah, so I think there's a, a kind of real deep-rooted, physical satisfaction in running so i'd say you can't get it from other activities but i think it's probably one of the more closer to what we're actually designed to you know i don't know yeah. tennis is good mm. and everything is it's fun it's there's more fun in those games and more kind of something a bit deeper in running I think. definitely closer than sitting on the couch and watching sports which is also how i spend a lot yeah. of my time so it's closer <laughs> than that i mean we were we are also designed to kind of cut corners and be a bit lazy as well so yeah. if, if you run if you run then sitting on the couch is probably is probably good as well yeah after the run. yeah yeah as, as someone that just went on a run for the first time in a couple of weeks um in winter here in Montana I can certainly relate to that first part about how much of a struggle it is and yeah. it was not all that much fun yeah exactly people often you know don't run say oh but I hate running and I can yeah. totally understand that you know yeah. I know what it, I haven't run for ages yeah God, it, you know it's, it's a real struggle yeah you've got to get to a certain point where absolutely but maybe not everybody can do that you know I don't know I mean like I say the first time I ever ran I won the race so I've probably got an engine that can just run fairly easily compared to a lot of people maybe yeah yeah so um you know kind of talking about like how this is something that us as a species were kind of built to do a little bit um personally like seeing what some of the ultra marathoners can do nowadays like some of the races the 250 mile plus ones are just like beyond comprehension for me yeah. um do you see like a the sport of specifically ultra marathoning like reaching a plateau because i you know i think if you would have asked people 20 years ago like 250 miles seems like totally unreachable and now that's you know there's a whole circuit of races like that yeah i mean i think i think within ultra running there there'll always there'll always be some people who just want to keep going further and keep going further and and then you get these FKTs, which are like records on like there's the Appalachian Trail, which is over 2000 miles. Mm. Uh, yeah. And, and so there's there's that kind of thing. But I kind of feel like the real development in ultra running is, is probably in around about a 100 mile race or 100K race. 
there's there's the Western states in the US, and then there's the UTMB, and and maybe there'll be some more. There's the Comrades race in South Africa, and I think the level keeps going up in those races. Uh, and and I have this kind of thing that you know, well, the the level is not really going to properly go up until you get the Kenyans and the Ethiopians hmm. involved, because at the moment they're just not there. And I've been I've been doing my best to try and introduce these two uh, worlds to each other uh, without much success so far. But I kind of feel like, yeah, so ultra running is growing in popularity. More people are doing it. There definitely there's a more prevalence for 200 mile races than there was 10 years ago. But I mean, the longest race is in New York. And if you know, it's three, three, thirty one hundred miles around one block, one city block. But that race has been going for 40 years or something. So. These races have been around. In fact, in fact, that the heyday of ultra running was in the 1870s. Ultra running they used to have these six-day races, and they were the biggest sporting events on the planet. Madison Square Gardens used really? to host them, and I they had know. the World Series. And then there was the it was called the Islington Hall in London. They would alternate between the two, and they would go on for six days. You just run for six days, and never run the furthest. And what? <laughs> They were like daily daily reports, front page of the newspaper. I mean, it was huge. So ultra running goes back a long, a long way. Wow. Bizarrely, I have uh, no idea. Kind of just re-emerging more than uh, more than kind of just appearing. I think. Why? So interesting. When you said um, like the two worlds between ultra running and um, the Kenyans running, you said they haven't met yet. Do you have any kind of inclination as to why? um they haven't really gotten involved in the in the sport of ultra running yet yeah i mean one is they don't really know about it uh mm. and that's mainly because there's no money involved in or well, there is money involved but it's not how the kenyans perceive how running works so so people like the top stars in ultra running killian hornet and mm. zach miller and jim Wamsey, they're earning good money but from their sponsors uh, Kenyans traditionally will, uh, if they see a race, they ask what the prize money is, because it sounds a little bit to me, but these guys are doing it as a job. It's their, this is, is a way out of, you know, most of them grew up in poverty. They see running as an opportunity, a way to make some money, change their lives. And so that's their focus. And, they, and then and they, they also have this idea that the further the race is, the bigger the prize money is. So you do a 10K, you might, you know, a 10K might have a $5,000 prize. A half marathon might have a $10,000 prize and a marathon might have a $100,000 prize. And then you tell them, they go, you, you start telling them about ultra and they say, what's the prize money? You say, oh, it's like $200. They're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't make sense. So they're not interested, but I think what it take it will take, just take for one of the companies to sponsor some of them, I think, because that's how the other ultra runners are making their money. There are, there are professional ultra runners mm-hmm. and they're not surviving on that prize money. They, they get sponsorship deals. And I, so I've been working on it and I, I got a couple of Kenyans. I got a Kenyan over to the UK to run an ultra run. Uh, I had a whole plan to get to over to California, actually, to run this race called the North Face 50. And it was all lined mm. up. And then the Californian wildfires happened and the whole mm. thing got cancelled. But uh, I just think I just think the first couple of Kenyans that do it, especially if they make a mark and they're, and they're kind of good, personable people, you know, they'd be a good, they'd be good for the sponsors. I think they'd be worth looking into. So I've been trying to, you know, pull strings, but my, I'm, I'm not that well connected after all. Right. Yeah. But, but yeah, that's the main reason. I think, yeah. yeah and at the moment they were like, we were talking about earlier, how they, the kind of, there's a momentum there in Kenya where everyone's looking up to somebody else. They, 
they look up to like marathon runners and that they see Elliot Kipchoge and they see these guys winning the big marathon and that's what they want to be. There was a guy in Kenya saw that they had this brilliant like stamina, a guy from Singapore actually. And he decided to try and set up a cycling team. And he was offering them good money to join the cycling team. But they were like, no, no, we want to be runners. We want to be like marathon runners, like Eli Kipchoge. Mm-hmm. And so you've got that culture issue as well. Ultra running is just not in their culture at the moment. But it's close enough, I think. It's only, you know, just need to edge it on a bit. But Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, one thing I wanted to ask you about is these people who do like ultra marathons, they must have at least to some degree, like kind of extreme behavior, like extreme sort of personality, a certain intensity to them. And the people who I know in my life who have the, you know, get really into one thing for a little while that it often changes that they'll be super into one activity and then they find something else and they're just really into that. Do you know with ultra marathon runners, that it's like a trend for people to just stop cold or just like decide that, you know, they don't want to pursue it anymore. Or do you find that people who get into running, especially to that level, it's something that they're going to dedicate like their lives to and that they end up sticking with running uh, for like, yeah, their entire life. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's no one story there, but there are quite a few people who've come, come to ultra running after being through a few other things, like often addictions or, you know, a few a few people have had problems with drugs and and they kind of use it as their they so they're taking that same obsessive personality that same kind of perhaps all or nothing personality mm-hmm. and they're putting it into ultra running and uh yeah there's quite an intensity to the people there i find most people who stop ultra running it's, it's more through exhaustion <laughs> than anything that else. makes sense not, <laughs> not necessarily as you would go oh yeah well, that's obvious but there is a kind of tendency i think for your body it's like a syndrome where the body basically just shuts down and a lot of these people basically just can't run anymore there's a couple Mm. of high profile cases but yeah they tend to really love it and just keep going keep going and actually i when i did it a lot of the ultra runners like oh now you've done it there's there's going to be no going back to like road running and that kind of stuff and a few of them got quite disappointed when i said well actually I'd, i'd still like to go back and do a marathon and you know run a half marathon or even a 10k you know I, i'm not like, it's not like my I, this is my now and everything is ultra running right. and, and some of them couldn't get that they're just like but they felt like once you experience it you, you wouldn't go back and i can kind of see that because it is such an overwhelming experience when you do it but i find that kind of hard to take on too regular basis you know maybe i'm not an obsessive kind of all or nothing type person so when i do something like an ultra run you kind of have to be like that. You have to give it everything to get through. I mean, a lot of people drop out. Uh, Ultrarunners have huge dropout rates of like half the field usually. But if you're going to get to the end, you've got you kind of laid everything on the line, and and that just wipes me out for like six months. Yeah. Like, well, but I did do a lot in a short period of time, so maybe that's why. But just the thought of going back into that is just like, oh, you know, I just give me a 10k, I just like get it over with in a you know 45 minutes or whatever, and I'm done. Yeah. yeah. Done. You think we I should do it? <laughs> yeah, we can. Yeah, it sounds great. <laughs> yeah, we actually. Yeah, we got an intense debate about it. Yeah, it was like finals yeah, about... week in college, and we were like just exhausted in a library, and we got in this huge argument where I thought that we could do an ultra marathon if you gave us, you know, enough years to train and everything. And Dylan was kind of kind of the mindset that 
I would never be able to do one. I'm ex- okay. No, I- no, 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 no. You are mischaracterizing that. I think you, I think we were just at a, a bit of a disagreement on how much time it would take. And I think uh, JMO thought it would, you could train for it in a relatively quick amount of time. And that it's a, like a big part of it is the mental aspect. And I, yeah, I think you're that. <laughs> you I think right. he's right. I think Jensen's right. I think really. Like, oh, let's yeah, go. <laughs> yes. Right. I, think, I think with a with an ultra marathon, it's like in in a weird way, it's easier to do. Well, obviously, to just get around a half marathon, you know, almost anyone could do it if they just walked or whatever. But usually, mm-hmm. when you're doing that, you kind of have this idea you want to run it within a certain time, and then you've got to train for that. And like an ultra marathon is tough. It's tough, but it really is the mind that 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 struggles, you know, because you're you're physically broken, but you don't have to move that fast. You know, the cutoffs in most of those races are doable if you can just keep moving. If you can just keep your head in gear, but 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 that that sound that makes it sound easy, but that's not easy. Yeah. <laughs> that mind, yeah. You know, everything is aching, but you're not. It's not like you've got to run at like seven minute mile pace. You know, you just got to keep moving. You you're stumbling, you know. But it's dark and it's you're on the mountain and you're hallucinating and you know you cut yourself and you know it's freezing cold and it's like you know your mind's saying give up and you're and, and the other part of your mind's going yeah well why not why why would I not give up and you can't remember why you shouldn't give up and it's just like and so it it, it sounds easy just tell yourself you have to keep going but it's really hard but it is you see people finishing ultra marathons you you know they're in their 60s 70s you know and you think wow that's that's something you know they're like it's it's definitely doable but it's I, I'd say it's like and it depends on the race you know if you're doing a a hundred k on a road then it's more about running but if you're doing a hundred miles in the mountains then it becomes the the percentage of it that's about your running fitness becomes smaller and smaller mm. uh, so it's a bit of both but i'd say yeah the mental side is, is huge well right, i'll give i'll give that one to jama then yeah <laughs> congratulations when, when i uh successfully train and build the mental toughness do an ultra marathon we'll have to ba- have you back on the podcast and we could discuss my great success yeah. <laughs> how i called it um but, thank but, you, but so- you have to be warned that because like that like i say those races they they've they and i've been in races where you have to qualify so everyone's done a race before they so they're not like oh, first right. time ultra- mm-hmm. and there's like you know half the field drop out and that most of those don't drop out because they couldn't carry on they drop out because they had to Okay. Right. Maybe I'll um, start with a marathon first because I never <laughs> run a marathon. <laughs> um, I had I so when Jamo and I get got into that argument, I was going through a big phase of watching the documentaries on ultra marathoners because I was just like fascinated at how they did it and why they did it. Um, and there's one uh, so Courtney Dualter, um, she's the American ultra runner and. Uh, she, there was one about the Tahoe rim, uh, uh, rim race. I forget what it's called. Um, and, uh, she described the pain cave and how she would fall into the pain cave. And you, it's like this disassociation where you're in so much pain, but you just like, you feel like you're just floating above the pain. Have you ever experienced that? Have you ever, is that like a common, um, experience or is that something that, that only the elite people that are pushing themselves to just another level really experience no i i, I reckon most ultra runners really? if you, especially if you do 100 miles i think you can probably get away with 100k without going there but 
but I, I, I not necessarily. I actually thinking about it, I've been there in a hundred k as well. But yeah, you get to this point where, yeah, you just you basically you've hit you've hit rock bottom. You you are given up. You are not moving another step. You are completely destroyed. But you're still moving. You have to because you're out in the middle of nowhere, and you just got to get to the next point. And yeah, and then you kind of come through it. And it, it's there's a lot of these. There's a whole series of races called the self transcendence. Uh, there's a 24 hour race, and that, that one around New York is the self transcendence 3100. And you kind of do have this moment of self transcendence where you come out the other side, and yeah, it's like it's not really pain, and they call it the pain cave, but it's more just like physical. You know, everything is spent. Your whole body has ceased to function. It's like it's it's aching, but it's just like a dull. It's not like someone's stabbing you or something. It's just a kind of dull hopelessness. And then you kind of yeah, you kind of elevate above it, and you you kind of come through it. And and I've actually had those ultra runs where I've been. Like I, I would have done everything. I would have chopped my hand off to finish to to be allowed out of this race. I feel like I mean, well, maybe not chop my hand off, but I remember, I remember, and I've, I've had this guy saying to me the other day. He did this big record run, and he said he was running by the road, and his crew were telling him he's got to be careful of the cars. And he was thinking, well, if a car hits me, at least I get to lie down. And you get to that, <laughs> you get to that point where you're kind of so exhausted just do anything to stop but something keeps you going and and then you get to the end and actually you don't you kind of feel a bit sad to stop you know you're like i i imagined i would always feel euphoric at the finish more often than not i kind of by the time i got to the finish i was so in this zone of like complete oneness with just moving that's all i was nothing else existed in the world just moving that it was kind of an I knew when I stopped, I suddenly had to deal with things again. I had to find <laughs> my stuff. I had to find my car. I had to talk to people. <laughs> I had to like work out where the hotel was. Because when I was moving, it was wow. just life was so simple. <laughs> that's fascinating. Yeah, so, that's incredible. So yeah, I think whether whether that is the pain cave. I mean, ultra runners love to talk about the pain cave, and and they actually say they relish going there. And it's that point where you just, I think you just, you're about, you would give up. And it's where like I say half the field do give up. And then half the field get there, and then somehow they don't. And and there's just that amazing feeling of coming through that. I think, yeah, um, that's fascinating. And this whole just chatting with you over this time has been just incredibly fascinating and interesting. So glad that you decided to join us on Meat Sports Alcohol. I know it's not the name of the podcast you're probably most attracted to, to speak with, yeah. uh, but we really appreciate your time. Um, I'm actually a, a lifelong vegetarian, actually. So I was How a bit wondering that? if I was going to get on the <laughs> Oh, food. no. Well, it's, it's just the name. Well, it's not yeah. just the name. We also, yeah, there's some meat involved. We, but, we, uh, we, you know, we can agree to not talk about that. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, we'll stick to the sports. <laughs> uh, this is Darren Enfin. He's author of Running with the Kenyans, The Way of the Runner, and most recently, The Rise of the Ultra Runners. Uh, you can check him out on his website at thewayoftherunner.com or his podcast, um, The Way of the Runner. And yeah, just thank you so much again. This was, this was a blast to talk with you. Wow, it was fun to chat. Yeah, thanks. Do I gotta work in my Cardenese. And now it's time for Talking Locks. We're gonna talk about the Super Bowl, uh, cover some fun prop bets that are gonna be happening during the Super Bowl. I just wanna reemphasize again though that nobody <laughs> should be taking our betting advice. I know that we, said that we say that like every week, but I won a $5 bet on the Rockets this week playing the Blazers. They were plus five. And then I went to check my account 
and I got it completely wrong. They were favored. It was minus five. And I just lost money on that. So really, really don't trust what we're saying here. I just wanted to start us off with that. That being said, uh, I do think us talking props, I think we are more qualified to talk about what song the weekend is going to come out to first than we are about actual sports or football. So yeah, it's closer. I do qualified in this instance. It's like we're, we're closer to a flip of a coin, like just on yeah. right about these exactly. things than actively being exactly. misinformed about sports things. Exactly. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, do you want to start us off, JMO? Yeah, so I think before we get into all the prop bets, let's just do our picks for the Super Bowl itself. The Chiefs are favored by three points, minus three. Uh, money line for the Chiefs is minus 165, and the Bucks are plus 145 to win. So what do you guys think? What's your picks? Darren, I know you're a big Bucks guy, big uh, Tampa guy. What's, what's your pick? I mean... Okay, my head says the Chiefs because they're just absolutely insane. Like they can just they it seems like they don't even have to try to pick up points and it's nuts. But how do you bet against Tom Brady? How do you bet against the GOAT? Every year people say he's going to fall off. He's, you know, he's on the cliff. But it's Tom Brady. You can't bet against him and I think there's great value there and I will be putting my all of my money on Tampa Bay. That seems irresponsible. I also forgot to say that Darren's sticking with us to do talking locks. We just discussed the <laughs> Coca Brew Challenge thing and then just went straight to you. Darren's here. You just heard yeah. him. Darren's here. <laughs> that was him giving his bad yeah. Tampa opinion. You want to go, JMO? Yeah. So I don't have one. I don't really have a pick. My lock, though, for real lock, I couldn't find the odds anywhere for this. I think we should pick the Bucks to win the Super Bowl next year. Because it seems like Tom Brady makes it to the Super Bowl every year. Um, so that's my pick. <laughs> I think I'm, I'm early on the Rams Super Bowl champions next year. <laughs> oh, Stafford, dude. The Stafford redemption story. Um, so my pick, uh, and this is about to be pretty pro-Bucks, podcast but i'm on the bucks too why bet against the goat i think i think darren hit the nail on the head and as someone that bet a lot of money on the goat against the goat last weekend i'm never making that mistake again you know and i'm gonna ride high on top of bray until the death of me how how shitty will you feel though if you lose money betting against him and then lose the next week betting on him betting for him yeah well yeah probably bad but i think there are legitimate and i'm gonna say all this and then next monday it's gonna be like well yeah of course the chiefs won by 30 they're ridiculously good no one can stop them but i do think the bucks played pretty like everyone was talking about how the packers offense was like unstoppable and they had been playing so well and the Bucks defense is actually just stupid good. And uh, offensive line talk, talk like we're talking like we know what we're talking about. Eric Fisher being out now and Vita Vea being back for the Bucks. They had, like if Patrick Mahomes gets pressure, which seems like it's impossible because he can always just throw it to Kelsey, uh, it could be close. 
And then I think whenever it's close, the tie goes to Tom Brady because he made a deal with the devil to be the luckiest football player of all time and win all the time. And I think if it's close, tie goes to Tom Brady. So that's why I'm going with Tampa Bay. Yeah. I think there is a really good point to be made though, that like, I probably, I want, I actually don't know who I want to win. I was going to say like, I should pick, I should bet on the chiefs because if the chiefs win, then at least I win money. And if Tom Brady wins, then that's just hilarious at that point. Like I'm for that. And the chiefs lost. Um, but I don't really feel strongly. I kind of hate both of these teams. So I, uh, I think, I think the chiefs are going to win forever. And I think this is like, just, I think at every point we have to root against the chiefs because in 10 years, they're going to be the Patriots of like the mid two thousands. And we're going to be like, why did we ever root for them? They're evil. This sucks. Like they never, they never lose. Yeah. Let so Tom Brady get good, his ring. The chiefs are going to win so much. Dude, Tom How funny evil. would it be if Tom Brady won too? I think that would be hilarious. It's uh, yeah, it would be Insane. awesome. So I'm definitely pro Tom. All right, I'll go. All right, so we're all going Bucks, I guess. Wow, huge consensus there. So now moving on to some props. Uh, we have a whole bunch of silly ones that we pulled. Some of them are honestly ridiculous. Like the creativity behind the people setting these lines and setting these bets are is huge. These are hilarious. The first one's a classic. Um, just Super Bowl national anthem. How long will it take Jasmine Sullivan or Eric Church to sing the U.S. national anthem? And then also the next one is who will sing the most words in the national anthem, Jasmine Sullivan or Eric Church? I know nothing about this. I didn't know that there were two singers. I don't know who, I don't know who those people are. Same. Dan, yeah. any insight? I've never heard of these people in my life. Cool. <laughs> great, great. You think, they could get, you think they could get a bigger grab? For yeah, the Super Bowl, right? Maybe they just put all their money in the weekend, and he's just takes all. Yeah, the money. I guess you know, budget's tight this year. Yeah, don't put all your eggs in one weekend. So one thing that I remember from last year that screwed me over at some point. If it wasn't last year, it was like the year before. They measure it from when they sing the first word till they complete saying the word "brave" for the first mm-hmm. time. Wow, that's funny. In case they say "brave" twice, I guess um yeah but it's not the music like it's not it's not the whole song it's just them singing yeah 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 but if they hit like a really long brave which they always do then it's the duration of the brave it's not the b it's the e true okay yeah so what do you guys over minute 59 is even under is minus 140 yeah i gotta take that over I think yeah. it's a lock. I'm smashing the over. All right, I'm in. I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> so Who wants to I root for have, a short national anthem? I also have some reasoning behind it, too. Once again, I think, I mean, this has been a tough year. I don't know who these people are, but I imagine, like, you know, they're going to really want to paint the Patriot, you know, card pretty heavy. And I think that they're going to really, that final brave is going to be like 20 seconds. Yeah, there's going to be confetti going off. People are going to be going nuts. Those seven thousand vaccinated nurses are going to be losing their minds. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. Can we get a Can we get a bet on just the brave over under eight and a half oh. seconds? <laughs> oh, uh, another national yeah. anthem one though. Here's two. 
will Jasmine Sullivan forget or omit a word from the national anthem? And then the next one is, will Jasmine Sullivan or Eric Church forget or omit a word from the national anthem? Just the Jasmine Sullivan one is minus 3,500. And for either of them to forget a word is minus 950. That's impossible. There's good value value in them forgetting a word. Dude, that's impossible. How are they going to... Have you know. seen some of the have you seen some of the national anthem fuck up videos? No, I haven't. They can't fuck it up this year. Like just for Do you the remember when, they're gonna smash the over Fergie, trust. Fergie fucked it up at the Super Bowl like two years ago. She Dude, fucked up like saying a word. I thought she was just saying it awfully. I uh, well no no no. Oh god. I mean you, I thought Fergie forgot a word. We're gonna have to fact check this. Yeah, if there's one thing that we value on this podcast, it's making sure we have (laughs) truthful information. See, because I read that and I was like, no way. Also, listen to this math. This is genius. So for for just Jasmine... I got it totally wrong. It was at the All-Star game. Yeah, that's what I thought. So will Jasmine Sullivan forget a word or will either of them forget a word? It should be like half. If they're going to talk half as much, it should be like half of 3,500, but it's minus 950. Like they're giving you way better odds for no reason. I don't know if that makes sense, <laughs> but I didn't quite follow. I'm, uh, I'm going to go, I'm going to go that they don't forget a word. Yeah. I, I yeah. I don't know anything about this Jasmine Sullivan character. So what if she's forgetful? I just Googled her and, uh, she doesn't look forgetful. Really? <laughs> yeah, I just did she's some a good background memory. on Google Images, and I would say that she's not going to forget. Do okay, you guys so think you can sing no, the national anthem without forgetting a word? I no. like that as the segment. Let's do that. Let's save that for later. Do you want to do it right now? Okay, I feel like there's a 0% chance. Is that going to be funny? Or is that say, gonna be... do I see? Oh, say, can you see? I don't see? know. You already got it wrong. <laughs> By the dawn's early light, what so proudly we hail at the twilight's last gleaming. Who's brought stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight? <laughs> or the ramparts we watch were so gallantly streaming. And the rockets that glare, the bombs bursting in air, gave proof through the night that our flag was still there. Oh, say does that star-spangled banner yet wave of the free and the home of the praise that was very well done i feel like if you did it then they can do it they're not gonna forget a word okay but if i was doing that in front of millions of people at the super bowl Dude, you're doing it on a podcast that gets 100 downloads a week <laughs> yeah it's okay <laughs> that was only like 30 seconds though should we reevaluate our uh over under on the two minutes because that was a bit short i i i mean i was trying to get through it as quick as possible so that's part of it <laughs> yeah uh okay cool i so, locked those in over no over and word. they don't forget a word okay let me introduce this bet all right i, I have never seen this one before okay the crossover one. Oh yeah no no the crossover yeah yeah so yeah. sick okay yeah. who will have more 
Joel Embiid total points against the Nets on February 6th or Tampa Bay Buccaneers total points in the Super Bowl. I am smashing. <laughs> Let me rephrase that. I'm taking Joel Sixers Embiid. Are playing the Nets? <laughs> yeah, the Nets have no yeah, big men. Sixers, Sixers against the Nets. Yeah, yeah. The Nets have, DeAndre, DeAndre Jordan is, is the so worst long. basketball player I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, no, I agree. There is a good, there's a good crossover one. Let me find it real quick. Um, it was uh, who, who will have more uh, Tyreek Hill receptions or Tony Finau bogeys in the final round um, of the Saudi Open, which is happening next week. And I think he got a smash. I think that one's tough because Tony, Tony. Uh, uh, chokes a lot in the final round, so he might just be on bogey city. But I think you got to smash that uh, Tyree Kill receptions. Over. See, I had the exact same thing for Tyree Kill reception yards in the Super Bowl compared to oh. the Denver Nuggets total of points scored against Sacramento. Tyree Kill's minus 26, or sorry, the Nuggets are minus 26 and a half. I checked last year. Tyreek Hill scored like or got like 110 yards in the Super Bowl. History repeats wait. itself. Wait, wait, wait! It it's Tony Finau or Rob Tony Finau bogeys or Rob Gronkowski receptions. I got it mixed up. That one's tough. I think he got to hit Tony Finau bogeys. I don't think Rob's gonna catch anything. He's just it would be it would be pretty funny to. Like be watching the sun next Sunday of that random go- whatever golf tournament. The what was it? The Abu Dhabi Open. It's so just it's rooting normally, for Fina to hit Oh no, it's the waste management. Yeah, but but Patrick Reed is playing in something else. Also, but, you're gonna have to be checking your phone during the Super Bowl of uh, Tony Finau bogeys. Two TVs. There you go. There you go. Uh, all right, we want to move on to the halftime show? Yeah, I feel really strongly about this one. All right, let's hear it. So opening okay. song odds. Yeah, okay, so opening song odds. We got uh, we got In Your Eyes, we got Blinding Lights. Those are the two favorites at plus 400. You got Pray For Me plus 450, Starboy plus 475, Can't Feel My Face plus 500. And then, I mean, you know, we got Save, uh, Save Your Tears Too Late, uh, Heartless, Love Me Harder, Earned It, a bunch of those. Um I think, you know, those are, those are unlikely. Um, I'm smashing that he's coming out to Starboy for sure. I think blinding lights is going to be his big, uh, uh, big finale or like, you know, it's going to be the climax of the show, but I think he's going to come out to something with some energy. Uh, I will say I learned from experience two years ago, betting on Justin Timberlake, what song he was going to come out to. And I did something that was kind of like, you know, a little bit uh, too tame. I think I did like Senorita or something like that. And you, know, he's going to come out with energy. You need something with energy. And I think Starboy does it. That's why I'm going Starboy. I'm surprised to see Can't Feel My Face at plus 500. Like it's that people think it's that likely he might come out to Can't Feel My Face. I remember Do about cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's also like, what if it's like, uh, like that a- would be awesome. <laughs> yeah. It's like a COVID thing where it's like, can't feel my face. Like, you know, if you get COVID, I don't know. 
I know where I'm going with that. I'm rooting for and betting on the Hills at plus 1100. <laughs> because that would be hilarious. I only love me when I'm yeah, That would be hilarious. <laughs> Dude, what are you doing? It's the Super yeah, Bowl. That would be funny. <laughs> and I feel like yeah. it's always kind of yeah. like not the first few songs that you think of at the time. Like they kind of start with a deep cut, like the Hills. I think it's got to be Starbucks. I feel, but they can't come with they can't come with too deep of a cut because they need to get the get the crowd going at first. Oh, but there's not fans. Oh, there's some fans. Yeah, it's tough. It changes. All things. right, I'm going. I, I'm, I'm hitting Starboy. Starboy, Darren. Darren, what do you have? I got Starboy. Okay, nice. God. All right, you guys. Oh are gonna be, I can't wait until it comes out to the hills. <laughs> All right, sticking <laughs> with. Yeah. Sticking with the halftime show, um, here's one. Over under weekend wardrobe changes. Over half is minus 380 and under half is plus 240. I feel like it's he definitely changes at least once. I think, dude, I think you could I think you could push that up to like 1.5. Yeah. yeah. I think you could dude. Two outfit changes, so a total of three outfits. I think, so that's, especially with all his weird face stuff that he's been doing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah his messed up face. Yeah, I don't see how like yeah. minus three eighty feels too low. Like that should be like minus nine hundred. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> what's with the prosthetics on his face? Does anyone know like what's going on with that? Is that for the Super Bowl? So I tried to explain it last week, not having really any knowledge about it and talking out of my ass. Um, I don't really know. Like, it might be like a social <laughs> statement where he's just like faking it and he doesn't have anything wrong with his face, but he's just like trying to make a statement about it. Or maybe he's like fucking up his face. Hmm. I wonder if you can feel his face. Nice. That's good. <laughs> Brutal. Uh, yeah, I bet it. I bet. I'm hoping that it's this has all been leading up to a big reveal at the Super Bowl. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. Um, two other quick halftime ones that I thought were just hilarious. First one, will Drake be on stage during the halftime show? Is plus 400 yes, minus 700 no? Do they know something I don't? Why is this even close? I feel like it's got to be no. But what if he does? <laughs> I mean, what are the chances, though? Like, how is it minus 700? Is it just because they're from Dude, Canada? Like, it's just a great way to, for Bavada to make a ton of money, being like, well, what if? And there's just no chance that it could happen. Yeah. Like, yeah. But there's know. been surprise. There's been surprise people that have come out the past couple of years, right? Like, uh, Missy Elliott came out a couple of years ago. That wasn't planned, or was it planned? I don't know. It didn't. People came out during a Colts play a million years ago. Was it Beyonce came out during? No, Beyonce was her own. No, I know she was like the previous year or something to that. But then also people came out. I thought Bruno Mars and Beyonce both came out during Colts play for a second. Hmm. I could be completely wrong. Testing my knowledge. Yeah, I thought Bruno Mars had his own show. Yeah, yeah. 
I think they both had their own halftime shows. That's why, like, before that, that's why I was, like, sick when they came out and were, like, that we're spawned, back. That were spawned by the Coldplay performance. What a terrible halftime performance, Coldplay. Yeah. I don't really that's got to be one of the worst. Okay. Yeah, it was later confirmed that Beyonce and Bruno Mars joined Coldplay as special guests of Super Bowl 50. Yeah. Wow. I feel so vindicated. Drake would be sick, though. I don't know. Drake would be sick. All right, here's another one. Will a football be used as a prop? Plus 375, yes. Minus 650, no. I don't think I've ever seen – have you – I don't remember ever seeing a football as a prop, like, in a halftime show. Never. Not once do I ever remember. I couldn't even think of, like, fun or interesting ways to incorporate a football. Like, what are props that you can use a football for in a halftime show with the weekend? Wait, didn't they do one where the a kid ran out onto the field with a football like at halftime, or was that at the start of the game, like for for the commercial? Oh yeah, I think that was at the start of the game. But also, that's not really a is that count as a prop? I don't know. This is propception. It's a prop prop. Whoa, Whoa. prop prop! (laughs) I feel like for that reason alone, we should bet on it. Oh, I'm going yes for sure. Dude, I want to... Yeah, yeah. No, this whole thing, this wasn't a discussion. I'm putting 500 bucks on that. Uh, I just want to be rooting for a football to show up during the halftime show. Yeah. Um, uh, What do you guys think, heads or tails? I'm smashing tails. Uh, I think heads, dude. I was going heads. Yeah. You going heads? Okay. All right. It just makes sense. All right, we'll see. Yeah. Dylan, I feel like you typically have a lot of uh, insight into the Gatorade color. Do you know where you're oh, going yeah. with that? Yeah, no, I. it's got to be red. It's got to be red because they're both red teams. It's Tampa Bay and the Chiefs. It's going to be red for sure. That's a good point. I also, so that I, we have all the individual ones, like orange is plus 60, red is plus 200, lime green, yellow, plus 275. Um, I found another prop where it was gatorade orange red or pink at minus 130 any other color plus 100 i feel like orange red and pink is like the go-to's yeah i mean i feel like yellow there's a good amount of yellows and blues blues not as much but yellows are yellows are pretty those are i mean Flavor aside, though, I don't know who actually likes yellow Gatorade, but it happens a lot. You don't yeah. like the yellow Gatorade? Oh, yellow Gatorade's the worst Gatorade. Orange is the best Gatorade. No, think... red's the best Gatorade. No, red or red, blue? No, red red or blue are, like, not my favorites at all. kind of grosses me out. There's no way. There's no way they don't go red here, especially <laughs> take... being at home, like, in Tampa. I think it's red. I think it's red for sure. God, I think you guys are right. All right, let's go red. Got yeah, who drinks clear slash water color Gatorade? What kind of I psychopath? Think just, I think that just means it's water. <laughs> Mentions is the next. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> there is clear Gatorade uh, or like the white Gatorade, you know, like that. Propel. That stuff sucked. I don't think they make. Oh it. yeah, yeah. yeah you okay, Propel. Mm-hmm. All right. Here's some good ones. How many times will Giselle be shown? Under one and a half is two thirty. Or sorry, over one and a half is minus two thirty. Under one and a half is plus one sixty. I feel like with Tom Brady being sixty years old, and like this being like, oh my god, he's done it again. She gets shown like five times. Yeah, definitely. I think you actually could, if you could pump that up, if you could, yeah, if you could mess with that and get it to over two and a half, I think she'll hit three easy. Yeah, mm-hmm. especially if there's like a late fourth quarter drive. Where he's just pushing to make mm-hmm. that game-winning drive, like they're always going to show him, show her on every like yeah. third and long that he converts. Like it's. I think. Better. I don't think there's a scenario in which they don't show her. I think if they're crushing him and it's just like uh, crushing him and it's like vintage Tom, they're mm-hmm. going to show her a bunch. See how see how happy she is. If they're getting crushed and Tom looks really sad, they're going to go to her and be like. Well, you know, Giselle, after this loss, might, you know, finally want Tom to retire. You know, this one's tough on her, blah, 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 all this stuff. There's no way that – there's no scenario in which she doesn't get shown. So it is two. It has to happen twice. But a certainty is because of that clip of last week after the game when Tom Brady – when they were like, oh, Tom, you have to talk about the game. And he's like, can I talk to my son first? And everyone was like, oh, my gosh, she cares about his kids. Um I feel like showing that clip on the live broadcast leads at least one Giselle appearance. Mm-hmm. So, yep, yeah. yep. Yeah. Once they show the kid, yeah, yep, yeah, yep, yep. Agreed. Ooh. Okay. And then the last. I one think all of the have. all of these overs are the best too. Like, I want to smash all of these overs. Yeah. How many times will the Patriots be mentioned? It's our last one. Uh, winner over two times. Or sorry, over two times is minus one thirty. Under two times is minus one ten. I don't know. I don't know, Jim. Yeah, is this a sneaky? I think is this a sneaky under where like Robert Kraft just calls Goodell and says like, don't make sure they don't talk about the Patriots. Like, don't shit on our team. Don't shit on Belichick. Or is that insane? That is true. They have a lot of pull. Yeah, they do have a lot of pull. Yeah, I think you have to factor in though. This is a Jim Nance Tony Romo game. And, like, do you guys, not to deflect attention to other podcasts, but have you guys listened to Tony Romo on the Bill Simmons podcast? I have. That interview? He wouldn't stop talking about, like, the difference in system between Tom Brady and the Patriots system versus Tampa. Like, Tony Romo just can't shut up about it. Um, So he might say it, like, ten times alone might just say, oh, in the Patriots offense, they would have done this. Mm-hmm. But now he's with the Bucks, they do this. So, kind of, I don't know. I kind of like the over there, too. Yeah. Or even in talking about, like, the rocky start the Bucks started with and just saying how he, like, left the Patriots after two decades and has to, like, adjust to a, no- a new system. Like, Re- no Learn a new system. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like learning a new language. That's what they say. I, like when they, I like when they say how complicated it is to learn the new system. <laughs> i am it's your I job oh oh my god oh my god did you guys hear that did you guys hear the eagles presser the new coach Mirani, we, want, we want smart players we want a smart office. No, we, or sirianni sirianni nick sirianni um 
<laughs> you want to, we want a simple, easy to understand, uh, simple, straightforward scheme, but that's complicated for the defense <laughs> or just... the offense. If we're playing against the offense, <laughs> yeah. He's like, when players stop thinking their athleticism takes over or whatever. It's like, uh, yeah, he's, yeah, like he's like, stop thinking equals athleticism take over. It's like, it, he's it's ridiculous. dude, it sounded like what would happen if I right now with no research went into a job interview for the Eagles head coach. And they were like, so what are you going to do with our system and our scheme? And I'm like, okay, so I'm going to make a simple one for us, but that's hard for the other team. <laughs> <laughs> he also got the bonus though from the Lions dude. Well, actually, it may have hurt him. The Lions new coach saying he was gonna bite off kneecaps in his first presser. It's like yeah. you can't yeah. get much worse than that. Kind of helped I, him out a little bit. I think Dan Campbell's was so much better. That was awesome. Talking about biting kneecaps. Yeah, we're gonna that get guy kicked down and our way up, bite off their kneecaps. Right, yeah. Bite them <laughs> off again. We're gonna- you're going to punch us in the face and we're going to smile right back at you. <laughs> yeah. They're going to go two and 14 for the next yeah. three years with Goff, dude. Goff's not going to be able to handle that little California surfer boy in the Detroit winter, just having his coach scream at him that he's not eating enough kneecaps. He's yeah. going to hate that. I hate hated this. that trade for both teams. Oh, I think it's good for the Rams. I think it's good for the okay, – okay, wait, wait. I think it's good for the Rams. Obviously, having Matt Stafford is better than having Jared Goff. I don't get how money works. Weren't they already like a billion dollars over the cap and now can't sign like any other players because they're paying three guys a billion dollars? Yeah. So yeah, how do they fix that? Like, they're like fucked after this season, the Rams are. They're like really, really fucked. I don't, I don't know the specifics of it, but I was reading on Twitter that like after this year, they are, especially if the cap goes down because of all the lost revenue from COVID, the Rams are like totally fucked. It's just just like a year long bet on, it's just like a one year bet on if their defense can still be really good and Stafford can figure it out. I feel like that's silly. It's a silly move for them though, because like I thought that's what they were doing this year. I thought this year they were like, we're going to pay everyone unlimited money and then we're just going to go all out and we have to win now. And then they didn't win now. In fact, they're often, they were like kind of trash. Because so, Goff sucks. Yeah, he was definitely a major part of it. But also there's really good teams. The Packers, are assuming they still have Rodgers, are still going to be really good. The Chiefs are still going to be really good. Like there's, it's just a, I feel like it's a dumb bet to make. I feel like McVay is a genius and Jared Goff is like way worse than we give him credit for. Oh my and God. Sean McVay has made him look like a competent quarterback for a couple of years now. And now Matt Stafford is about to look like Aaron Rodgers. He's going to, that's my yeah. prediction. Jared Goff is going to be so He's, bad on the Rams. The Lions. Or sorry, Lions. Yeah, dude, he's going to be cold all the time just because he's in Detroit. I know they're in indoor stadium, but he's just going to be cold all the time. He's going to be living in Detroit. He's going to be miserable. He can't surf. You know him. He loves surfing. Um, yeah. He's going to hate it, dude. He's going to he's gonna demand a trade. I think he might just quit. Yeah. I mean, why not? Yeah. He's not going to have the genius mastermind McVeigh yeah. whispering. 
what to do in his ear. Move back step to, left. Move step back left. to show cow. Yeah. <laughs> How old yeah. is he? Isn't he like still pretty young? Stafford's 34. 34. Okay. Really? Which in normal in normal quarterback years is pretty old, but in nowadays quarterback years, you still you could have him for another like, yeah, like four another or five decade. years. Dude, the Clayton Kershaw and Tom Brady years. The Clayton Kershaw and Matt Stafford tweets already are driving me insane. It's like best friends from elementary school back in the same city. Yeah. Yeah. Did you know that they went to the same high school? Yeah, it's nuts. I've actually never seen that. I've never seen a picture of that. Yeah. 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 And that was yeah. talking lots. All right. I call upon all nations to do everything they can to stop these terrorist killers. Now watch this drive. All right, everyone. Uh, that was our show for the week. Uh, tune in next week. Uh, we'll be doing our Super Bowl wrap up. Uh, I know you're sad. I'm sad. We're all sad that football is almost over. This week is both exciting and scary because we have to think about February 8th when we wake up and there's no football for six months. But uh, if you want to, if you want to stick around for us, we're going to be having an awesome recap show talking with our buddies, you know, talking about which bets hit, which didn't and uh, having a good time. Yeah. I can't say our guests next week have necessarily the same level of fame or expertise as our guests have been so far in the show. Uh, We'll have Shaylin who was, or still is, I guess, the Cal football beat reporter for the Daily Cal, and our friend Charles, who is nothing. He's just our friend. He has no qualifications. Uh, but we're going to just shoot the shit, talk about our bets, recap the Super Bowl and things like that. It should be, yeah, it'll be fun. Uh, if you're enjoying these episodes, just a reminder, please share it with your friends. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Meet Sports Alc. And we're also on Facebook now, so like us there. Uh, be sure to subscribe so you can see when new episodes are out every Monday. All right, fam. Peace. Peace and love. Today is going to be the day that they're going to throw it back to you. By now, you should have somehow realized what you got to do. I don't believe that anybody feels the way I do about you now. Because maybe... Maybe